Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking a listen today. We are going to be discussing the, well, the title of the podcast is Food Sequencing, Food Pairing, and Meal Timing, all for weight and fat loss, as well as maintaining weight and also just gaining some health markers back. Um, but first, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start doing this once in a while in these episodes, just answering a question in my podcast episode that I've been asked throughout the week, um, either by a client or um, possible client. And this was from someone just asking questions about my online coaching services for health and weight loss. And the question was, I've worked with an online coach before and all his emails to me uh, were obviously pre-made responses, wondering if this is how your coaching works. So if you've worked with an online weight loss or health coach before, or um, this especially happens if you've used an app, you then know there's lots of um, coaches out there or through apps uh, who have a list of ready-made responses. So you ask a question and you kind of get this this canned response that the individual who's also using the same service gets the exact same response. But when um, someone's working with me, I, I'm, I'm uh, how do I put this? I, I do, if you know me at all, I have a pretty strong value system. Um, and this is just relationship is one of my values. It's, it's, I'm sure why I am a mental health therapist and have been for years. And relationship is just very, very important to me. It's one of my top values. So I am determined, and at least at this point in my life, because I will never say never, but for now, I'm very determined to always keep all my communication with my individual clients without um, copy and pasted responses. So I just don't do that. I I feel that a relationship, especially one through email, which is what um, my weight loss and health coaching clients, that's how we do it, just through email. Um, I just feel, I don't know, it's, it's compromised if responses are not authentic and um, in the moment. So when I receive communication from my clients, my responses are very thought out and they are based on (coughs) what I know about that client, the relationship that I have with them, um, what individual plan they're following because each client, um, you know, uh, their plans are very different, uh, what their lifestyle is like. So I, and then, you know, I weave my experience from my therapy practice and technique strategies into those responses as well. So for example, two clients will ask the exact same question or be dealing with the exact same issue, but my coaching responses will be very different to each one, often you know, with a very different strategy prescribed. Uh, an example of one question <clears throat> that comes up often is, how can I still go out to eat and still follow my plan? So for one client whose lifestyle is you know, um, maybe a little bit more chaotic and busy and has difficulty pre-planning, I'm not going to suggest to them to get online and study the menu beforehand and choose something that fits. You know, this busy mom does not even have that five minutes to do that. And I know that. I know that if I ask her to do that, 
there's no way she's going to do it. So instead, I'm going to suggest to her to relax about it, to eat some veggies or protein before going to dinner. By the way, that trick often leads to a lot less calories eaten when going out to eat. Um, a lot of people are like, no, that means I'm going to eat more food. Actually, that's, that's not at all what happens. So, um, but anyway, and then to choose something off the menu that she really wants for another client who's a little bit more flexible with their time. And I know they're not going to feel stressed checking the menu beforehand. That's what I'm going to suggest to do. Take a peek at the menu, make a decision beforehand that fits with your plan, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's just one example of how really it comes down to, who the individual is and getting to know them and understanding their lifestyle in order to give different strategies and different plans to make it work. I I have some clients who want to count macros and have a very structured plan and this actually makes them feel really good and freer. And then I have other clients who cannot stand having to meet numbers or track things or figure things out. And so they start with plans that are just much more based on um, you know, I kind of teach them how to, how to eye amounts of food, just kind of eyeballing things to eat at each meal. Both both these people will lose weight with either method. So every person is different and unique. And um, I really do believe, you know, it's my job. They're paying me. It's my job to meet them exactly where they're at with their own unique lifestyles and personalities to make a weekly plan for them that works for them and not someone else. So this even gets into types of diets followed, you know, does low carb work for some people? Yes. Does fasting work for some people? Yes. Does counting calories or macros work for some? Yes. But not everything works for everyone all the time. So anyway, Okay, that was the answer to that question. A little bit longer than I meant to go into. We're going to move on to today's topic, which is food sequencing, food pairing, and meal timing. Uh, this this episode's a little more, of a, I guess I would say, a practical one on the behavior side of things versus the thought work side of weight loss, which is often um, where a lot of my episodes go to because I, I do really believe that is the foundation of keeping of losing weight and keeping it off. Um but as you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, <clears throat> I believe the thought work stuff is very, very important, but you really do have to pay, pair it with some behavior strategies and, and making some changes in order to lose weight and create new health habits. Um, so I like introducing some episodes like this that is just really focused on the science out there and the behaviors um, you know, that maybe are not so in the forefront of media of what they're telling you to, to do to lose weight. Um, but I know, you know, I guess I know too, most people aren't as excited about this stuff as I am. They don't geek out on this stuff as much as I am. You know, they're not reading the research studies that, you know, are kind of just coming out and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so, you know, this is also stuff that's not often heard in mainstream media. Although, you know, like this topic is probably going to be in mainstream media soon. That's kind of how it works. Like, all the stuff kind of comes out on the fringe of nutritional science and and that sort of thing. And then it takes a while to get moved into the mainstream media. An example would be how, you know, keto's kind of been all over the mainstream media. But, you know, if you're listening um, to researchers who are kind of on, you know, the, I just call it the nutritional fringe, just meaning, you know, they, they don't have as loud of voices. But if, if you know who they are, really good scientists, really good researchers, and you're listening to them or you're reading research papers, um, you know, right now, the big deal is that 
keto is probably not the best way to go um, all the time or for everyone. And that will probably start leaking into the mainstream media. I don't know, within a year or two. That's just how it's like this five year, three to five year drag before it's kind of, you know, the the stuff that's going on in research and, and what we're learning really comes into the, the mainstream media. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm going to explain and define each one, food sequencing, food pairing, and meal timing. And then I'm going to give you some very concrete examples of how you can experiment implementing one or all three of these um, to bring you some results over time. So, you know, just a reminder, this is always at the end of every episode. <clears throat> Remember, I'm not a medical doctor. And so if you choose to change your eating habits, you should check with your medical doctor first. Okay, let's talk about meal timing first. And and this is going to cover a little bit of a past episode where um, it's entitled fasting. So if you want more minute details about this, you can go back and listen to that episode. But I'm going to reference a study here and it's from the National Institute of Health. um, And the study is entitled Meal Timing, Aging, and Metabolic Health. Um, in case you want to check it out for yourself. So here's here's part of the abstract. A growing body of evidence suggests that meal timing is an important factor for metabolic regulation and that the circadian clock tightly interacts with metabolic functions. The proper functioning of the circadian clock is critical for maintaining metabolic health. Okay, so remember, metabolic health is paramount paramount in order to drop weight and keep it off right? We, we need a good metabolic system running in order to release fat from the cells and then to burn it, okay? So really important, that metabolic health. Therefore, chrononutrition, a novel discipline which investigates the relation between circadian rhythms, nutrition, and metabolism, has attracted increasing attention in recent years. Circadian rhythms are strongly affected by obesity, type two diabetes, and other not or and other dietary induced metabolic diseases. Okay, so we understand here that healthy circadian rhythms are necessary for energy production, for great sleep. And both those things greatly affect our bodies storing fat or using fat stores, okay? So with increasing age, the circadian system also undergoes significant changes which contribute to the dysregulation of metabolic rhythms. Metabolic diseases are a major health concern, particularly in light of a growing aging population and effective approaches for their prevention and treatment are urgently needed. Okay, so as we age, our circadian rhythms kind of get mucked up. So if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, this is good information. That's, we're going to talk about some really good information so that you can do some things to regulate it, to, to kind of try to re-regulate um, those metabolic rhythms. So recently, animal studies have impressively shown beneficial effects of several dietary patterns. Examples would be Um, caloric restriction or time restriction feeding, which is what we're talking about here, on circadian rhythms and metabolic outcomes upon nutritional challenges. As indicated by recent studies, dietary approaches might represent a promising, attractive, and easy-to-adapt strategy for the prevention and therapy of circadian and metabolic disturbances in humans of different age. So I really like this strategy. because for some people, and by the way, not all, 
Remember, we're all unique in what works for us and what doesn't. So for example, with some clients with binging behaviors, I would not use this strategy at first because we know from other studies that restricting a feeding window for those with BED uh, often triggers more binging, okay? But for someone who is just simply overeating often, this strategy can work really, really well. So while it's commonly assumed that most people eat three meals and a couple of snacks a day, in reality, most people, most Americans, don't eat this way. So more than half of the adults studied eat over a period of 15 hours or more every day, and on weekends, that time frame extends even, even longer. Meaning, many of us start eating at, say, 7 a.m., when we wake up and don't finish our last eating episode until 10 p.m. or maybe even later on the weekends. So those who were eating this way, when they changed to only eating in a window of 10 to 12 hours. So in our example, that would be stopping eating at 5 p.m. if you're starting at 7 a.m. or not starting eating until 9 a.m. And then the last food going in would be, um, you know, at 7 to nine, somewhere in there, but it would lead to sustained, this leads to sustained weight loss. Um, these people repeat, reported feeling more energetic and more sleep satisfaction. And we think the reason this works um, is that the behavior, it extends the overnight fasting period, typically beyond 12 hours. This leads to depletion of liver glycogen stores and um, a meta, like this metabolic switch from lipid cholesterol synthesis and fat storage moves into mobilization of fat through fatty acid oxidation and fatty acid-derived ketones. So basically extending the non-eating time leads the body to using its fat stores. That's the bottom line. So there are also some studies showing that people who limit their feeding window to less than 12 hours simply just eat less, and this leads to weight loss as well. And one last point from the particular study I had mentioned before is that they showed in older adults, timed dietary approaches might be used to restore disturbed circadian rhythms and improve metabolic health. So many of us get that most older adults tend to put on weight as they age, and this metabolic circadian rhythm uh, explains why this happens, but this study shows there are ways that we can switch that that healthy metabolic system back on through meal timing <clears throat> via a shorted a shortened feeding window. Okay, so the practical behavior strategy you can try uh, starting today: stick to a ten to twelve hour feeding window every day this week, and take note on how you feel, how you sleep, um, what your energy levels are. Um, you know, those sorts of things. So, you know, do a little experiment, see what this is like for you. Is it easy? Is it hard? Were you able to do it? Um, did you feel better, worse? Did you sleep better, worse? You know, all those kinds of things. Okay, let's move on to the next one, food sequencing and food pairing. So we could probably all agree that what we eat, like the quality of our food and how much we eat, the quantity of our food, so quality and quantity, and when we eat, the timing Influence, like we just talked about, influences our body composition and health markers. And, and now there's another one that is kind of new out of the research, and that's meal sequencing, which is the order in which you eat your food. 
Uh, meal sequencing involves eating certain food before others. The The word used in the research is preload. So certain foods are used as preloads before a meal or other food or a snack. So preloads have been shown to be really valuable weight loss aids in regards to controlling hunger. And the truth is, if you're going for, um, you know, if you're losing, if if your goal is to lose weight, lose fat, and you want to keep it off for good, one of the keys is, and I'm going to do a podcast on, or an episode on this too, just creating satisfaction with our food. That satisfaction, um, not feeling hungry um, or extremely hungry. I mean, some hunger is, you know, happens, but um, it, you really want to be able to control that hunger, bottom line, in order to lose weight and keep it off for good. So these sort of um, ideas like this can really help so, you know, if we start to learn how preloading with certain foods before other foods can help us feel fuller longer, that's a really important part. That's a really important um, strategy to be used. So here's the details on one of the studies. Researchers took one group and had them eat their meals in the normal way. So just meaning they ate different bites off the plate in the order that they wanted. That was the control group. The experimental group was told to eat their meat portion, their protein and fat first, and the carbohydrate portion last. So all parties ingested the same amount of calories, but just ate the same meals in different ways. And the results were really pretty interesting. Weight loss was not different between the groups, but fat loss was. So the group that sequenced their meals with protein and fat first, and then had the carbs last, had significant reductions in fat mass, while the control group did not. So the group eating the carbs last saw significant reductions in blood sugar variability. And this just means they were able to handle sugar, so the carbs, much better than the control group. And this is huge for fat loss and metabolic health. So basically we can take away from this that preloading the meal, so you know, eating first protein and fat, it slows glucose absorption, which affects fat storage. So I, I just like learning about these things because this is a pretty doable strategy. You know, this is one that wouldn't, I don't think, make most people feel like they're restricting anyway or depriving. So this is one you could try this week. Week, eat your protein and fats first off your plate and finish with your carbs. So. I've been practicing this strategy for a while now. Even when I'm going to indulge in a high carbohydrate treat like chocolate or oatmeal, I always drink a scoop of whey protein first or even eat, um, you know, like a, a healthy turkey jerky stick. Um, I wore a CGM for three, um, uh, that's a continuous glucose monitor. So it was stuck to the back of my arm and measured my glucose levels in almost real time. So I did that for three months and I was able to see exactly how every food, every drink affected my blood sugar. So for me personally, remember everybody is different again, but for me personally, when I sequenced my food like this, my blood sugar remained quite stable after a cup of oatmeal. When I ate the oatmeal without protein before it, blood sugar typically went higher and stayed there longer. Again, this is just an in a one. This is just, you know, I'm just talking about me, but it says something. It said something to me about food sequencing and its effects. It's real. So remember the saying, do you remember? Life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. It's probably not a great strategy for long-term health and weight control. You definitely want to eat the dessert last.
Okay, let's move on to food pairing. This is similar to food sequencing, but has more to do with what to choose when you are combining foods together. So there are some studies that show that when it comes to losing weight, losing fat, um, choosing to eat two particular foods together can help because each has different nutrients and consumed together, they can help fend off hunger, stay fuller longer. Remember, that's really important for long-term weight loss and burn fat or calories better than they would alone. So I'm just gonna list a few examples here so you can get an idea of this and or you could start to implement this right away. So uh, one example would be leafy greens and avocado. So often people trying to lose weight and get metabolically healthy turn to salads, but, but salads often leave people feeling really hungry and unsatisfied, which leads to overeating. So adding just a quarter avocado is gonna help you feel fuller from a salad. And then also the nutrients in the avocado will help you absorb the nutrients in the leafy greens. So that would be one combo. Um, Another good one would be chicken and cayenne pepper. Chicken breasts are great for weight loss. One six ounce breast has about 30 grams of protein, um, sometimes more, and, and less than 150 calories. So protein takes longer to digest and that keeps you fuller longer. And then if you add some cayenne pepper to it, it boosts the calorie burn even more and hinders appetite and um, also makes your chicken take, taste pretty good too. Another one, oatmeal and walnuts. So the walnuts add fiber that can lead to weight loss. Your, your body can't break down fiber, so it slows down your digestion and takes up space in your stomach, which makes you feel full. So there are four grams of fiber per cup of oatmeal, and walnuts add another two grams. Plus, um, I don't know, there's something about, it's like satisfying to have some sort of crunch in your oatmeal. Um, and uh, they also have a little bit of protein fat there. So, you know, just... A caveat here, if you are trying to lose weight, nuts can be an issue. I have seen this over and over. You know, people trying to lose weight, fat, and they see nuts as a health food, and so they eat a lot. But the problem is there are so many calories in just a tiny amount, um, in a very small amount. So if you're going to eat them, make sure you understand portion sizes. Um, When they say an ounce, weigh that out because that's like, you know, maybe 10 almonds. So just something to consider if you include nuts in your um, eating plan. Okay, broccoli and steak. Beef is really rich in protein and iron, which your body uses to build red blood cells. And your red blood cells take oxygen to your organs. So if you are short on this, you're going to feel less energetic and you're going to feel lethargic. So broccoli is a great side to it because of its vitamin C um, helps your body absorb the iron. And this is my favorite combo if you're trying to drop some pounds. Green tea, lemon, and mint. So green tea in particular is high in the antioxidant ECGC, and that's a compound that's been studied quite a bit and shown to be able to burn fat. It's also um, rich in catechins, another antioxidant that can promote the release of fat from fat cells. Remember, in order to drop weight, we have to do things to release the fat from the fat cells And then we have to do things that can oxidize it, that can burn it up. Um, And uh, the catechins can also help your liver um, turn fat into energy. So, you know, squeeze some lemon into your green tea. The lemon contains pectin and polyphenols, both of which have been proven to help people feel fuller 
and lose weight. So again, we're working on that um, satiation, that that hunger, that satisfaction. And then add in a sprig of mint, which is a proven appetite suppressant. Suppressant. This is often why chewing mint gum can help suppress the appetite. Okay, so let's go over exactly what you can try this week. If you are trying to lose weight, lose fat, get your metabolic health under control, we talked about meal timing or using a shortened feeding window. And by the way, like I said, remember more on this in a past episode with the title fasting. Um, start slowly to shorten that window. Remember, we we take very small behavioral changes. Um, if you're used to eating at 7 a.m., start waiting until 7.30 or 8 a.m. And once that feels doable, once you've done that for a week or two and that feels okay, move it to 9 a.m. Um, set a, set a, or you can, and, or you can set a cutoff time in the evening for your eating. If, if you're used to snacking up until 10 PM, shoot for 9 PM, you know, close the kitchen at 9 PM. Once you're feeling comfortable there, close the kitchen at 8 30 PM for a couple weeks. You know, you really will get used to it. And then it becomes easier to move that down. Close it at 8, 8 PM. Okay. You get the, you get the idea. The second strategy to implement, choose Um, one meal each day to incorporate food sequencing. So at that meal, eat your protein and fat first and eat your carbs last. So if it's steak and potatoes, eat the steak first and then the potatoes. If it's chicken and pasta, eat the chicken first and then the pasta. You get the idea there. Third strategy to implement, if you want, pick one of the food combinations I talked about and incorporate incorporate it every day. Um, I really think the easiest would be to add that tea, lemon, and mint to your to your day, uh, green tea, plus that fresh lemon juice and, um, a sprig of mint. So, you know, although this episode, uh, wasn't that deep work or deep thought work or, um, deep belief work and identity work that I'm typically talking about to coach you through better health and fat loss for, for good, uh, practical strategies like these can really make a difference for people because they're pretty easy to implement. They're at least simple, you know? They don't ask you to restrict your food in any way or or cut things out of your diet. And over time, simple strategies like this can really help drop some pounds. <clears throat> These are the types of things I teach my clients and help them to help them get to their weight loss goals in a much easier fashion. You know, my clients do not white knuckle anything. They practice and learn how to use their mind and thoughts and words to shift their behaviors into a very willing and simple way, how to use these simple small behavior cha- behavioral changes to make huge impacts on their weight and health. All right, if you found anything useful from this episode, as always, would you please take the time to subscribe to the podcast and also give a five-star review if you feel it's warranted. When you subscribe, then you're sure to get all the newest episodes once they're released. And this really does, um, you supporting the, the podcast in that way really helps me keep the episodes rolling out and continuing to share information like this from this platform. Uh, if you already subscribed and given a review, uh, thank you very much for supporting it. Thank you also um, to all of you just for sharing this space with me for listening. And uh, remember to thank your own self for being willing to consider making small changes in your life to get you closer to your goals and dreams. Um, You can head over to my social media for more resources. Instagram is Heinen Counseling and Coaching. Um, I also have another page at Peak Protein Recipes, just recipes only. Um, I'm not on social media that much these days. I have, um, I read a book called Digital Minimalism and I'm really, um, uh, 
trying not to go there as much as I found it was very stressful for me and not enjoyable. So now I'm really only posting when I feel inspired or when I feel what I post is going to be beneficial to others. Um, but you can, you can go take a look. I mean, you can see past stuff there, you know, there's stuff posted, some helpful hints. Um, like I said, that recipes page has recipes only. Uh, but best way to learn about what I do and see if we'd be a good fit is to go to my website and that is heatherheinen.com and Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. So heatherheinen.com there. Um, I have very detailed descriptions of how I work with clients, what I provide. My prices are all right there. So none of that is hidden. It's just all very upfront. Um, if you have any questions about it or, feel like you'd like to get started, you can email me from there, from that website. Um, and also, if you keep listening right now, you're going to get some more information on that, um, how my clients take that deeper dive on these topics with me. Uh, you know, the journal prompts, the worksheets, the structured lessons, the support and coaching behind all this stuff I'm putting out there to lose your weight for good, improve your health, and live the life you've been dreaming about in the body you've been dreaming about. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized. So if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode and then you will see it says support this podcast and then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation like 99 cents helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And get in touch with questions on all things I offer, like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services. Just a reminder that this podcast represents my own opinions. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have.